Welcome back, Wildcats, to Wildcat Radio, the most interesting podcast in your face, covering Arizona football news, Arizona basketball news, Arizona recruiting news. WildcatRadioAZ.com is our website. You can follow the podcast for free on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. We're on Spotify now. Tune in radio. You name it. We are there. You can also follow the podcast for free on Twitter at WildcatRadioAZ and on Facebook at WildcatRadioAZ. Arizona lost to ASU. Don't even worry about that. It doesn't even matter because Vegas is this week. We are so excited to talk uh, Arizona basketball, Pac-12 basketball, in Las Vegas, we're going to go through the tournament, go through gambling odds, and I was really thinking about who we can have on this podcast. And of course, Mr. Rick DeNice is here with us. What's going on, Rick? What's up, guys? What's up? How are you? Very, very good. Very excited. And um, so, Rick, I was... I've, I've been on Twitter for a while. Wildcat Radio has been on Twitter for a while. And, uh, and I had been following our guest as uh, a USC person. He was uh, covering USC uh, when he was at the university. And I thought his stuff was really good. But what stood out for me was he is also a gambling savant. And he speaks the language. He knows what's going on. And I've been following Max Meyer from now with Sports Illustrated for a number of years. And Max, I'm so stoked to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm good. No. And I, I really appreciate the, uh, the intro and, you know, you guys are a great follow as well. Highly recommend. And I'd be shocked if anyone was listening to this podcast isn't following you guys already. Um, but yeah, no, just really looking forward to diving into the slate and you know, it's, it's, in my opinion, the four best days of the year for me. I love going to Vegas every year. Absolutely. And this conference is going to be a mess. It's going to be, it's going to be great. I'm really, this is going to be fun going through the bracket because there's a lot of uh, question marks all over this bracket as we go through it. But Hey Max, so I know that you're doing a lot of the gambling work at, um, at sports illustrated. Can you just, because your stuff and the stuff that you've done with three men weave is excellent. It's actually the work that I have been sending to my dad as we go back and forth, even on some of these smaller conferences. So what's going on at sports illustrated and, uh, and who should be people be following and what are y'all doing there? Sure. So, um, I am the gambling producer at sports illustrated and we launched the gambling vertical, uh, this past August. And ever since then I've been in charge of either writing, editing, or just producing all of our, uh, digital gambling content which you could find on si.com slash gambling. And then regarding three man weave, uh, they are a blog consisting of three guys, uh, Matt, Jim, and, uh, Oh, Oh no, they're going to kill me. Oh, and Kai. Okay. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> and they are phenomenal at breaking down all the conferences in college basketball. They also love to gamble, but, um, I just think what really sets them apart is like what I said before, like I'm like, I know a lot of the major conference college basketball, but for the smaller conferences, especially with the conference tournaments that have been going on the past week, I I can't tell you that much about them, but these three guys, they really dive in and they are excellent. Their picks are excellent. I believe they're hitting around 54, 55% on the season and you can follow them. Uh, It's at three MW underscore CBB. And their website, uh, I would just search Three Man Weave on Google because their URL is a little weird, but uh, they have amazing conference tournament previews. And they also have been, uh, myself and them, we've been doing college basketball best bets three days a week. uh, And we've been putting up our picks on the site along with our um, explanations why. 
and we will be doing them this week, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And you can definitely see, uh, check them out at SI Gambling. And then, yeah, that's pretty much it. But yeah, Three Man Weave, they, they really are some amazing college basketball follows. Yeah, and it's been great, particularly early in March, where you have the smaller conference tournaments. I can't recommend it enough. So definitely check it out if you are so inclined. Let's talk about this this Pac-12 tournament. Um, but first, Max, let, let's get your general impressions on the conference as a whole in college basketball, because certainly a down year for the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have high expectations for the conference this year. Last year, I actually did because I thought both Arizona and USC were legitimate contenders to at least you know, Elite Eight, if anything, just because USC returned so much of their um, team from the year before, and they had some interesting uh, young guys. And then Arizona, obviously, with Aiton and Trier coming back. And both those teams just looked loaded to me. And then USC didn't even make the tournament last year and Arizona lost in the, in the open or in their opening matchup to Buffalo. And this year, I, I didn't think that there were any teams that were going to be as good or as, that I thought would be as good as Arizona or USC. Um, Oregon was the, I, I, I would think as the favorite, but they still, it takes, a, it takes a long time to adjust to Dana Altman's system, with, whether it's the matchup zone or his intricate offensive schemes. And with uh, the two-star freshman, Bull Bull and Lewis, and Lewis King, and a couple other new pieces, I just didn't – I thought it would take a while to gel, and I didn't really buy them as a um, Elite Eight, Sweet, Sweet 16 kind of team anyway. And then I didn't really see many other teams. Like, I thought UCLA possibly. I thought Washington possibly. But other than that, I just really thought it was going to be like a blob of mediocrity for the most part. And that's what it's been. Yeah, absolutely. And I wish I would have checked in with you before I bought my Oregon futures ticket at 18 to one at the beginning of the year. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Let that one on no, fire. The card, the card that's rough. Rule. No Pac-12 futures as long as Larry Scott is conference commissioner. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely true. That's a great point. Hey Rick, hey. I, wa- I wanted to like real quickly check in with you on this because I, I look yeah. at the left side of the bracket here, which is like all of the Wednesday games and yeah. Oregon, yeah. UCLA, uh, Arizona, USC, and even Stanford. You, you take a few years back when Stanford was a powerhouse in the conference, and then uh, you look over on the right-hand side of the bracket where it's Utah, ASU, and Oregon State are three of the four. I mean, it is just such an upside-down year for this league. Like, what does that surprise you? I mean, obviously it does to some extent. But we knew this would be a down year, but just the the total flip on its head. I don't think this is going to be a permanent <laughs> changing of the guard. It's just a weird year. But what do you think? Like when I look at the Pac-12 and and kind of the trend that we've had over the last couple of years is you always have the the one, two, three teams at the top and then the rest kind of fall off. This year, um, as Max alluded to, you know, it's kind of a blob of me- mediocrity towards the middle uh, with really only Washington staying out at 15 and three. And, and I think um, the job that they have done up there uh, in Seattle has been remarkable. And, and you know, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially with that packed in zone, um, you know, moving forward. I think when you look at the league as a whole. I, I, I do agree with you. I think that it will bounce back somewhat, but there's still a lot of unknown in the league. I mean, that you look at UCLA's coaching situation um, and and not really knowing kind of how that's going to shake out moving into next year. You look at Arizona um, and, and, you know, we, we kind of talk about, obviously, the scandal and all the issues that that have been uh, circulating around the program over the last couple of years. You know, they got a great recruiting class coming in, but, you know, how is that chemistry affected going into next year? 
And then you've got, you know, teams like Colorado. And I, I remember talking to you guys, I think midway through the season um, where I read a tweet from Colorado, basically saying, you know, can we go out and hire anybody else? And, and basically they weren't willing to put the money forth to try and make, um, you know, move up to see if they could get somebody better. So I think that there's a lot of unknown and, and really, you know, the thing that still is the most disappointing to me is where other conferences, um, and this is something I alluded to before, like the SEC, where they've made investments within the infrastructure and investments within, um, you know, that that basketball vertical, you just haven't seen that in the Pac-12, and and frankly, with any of the sports over the last couple of years. And I really think that uh, a lot of that's starting to show. And this year is, um, you know, really, really kind of a catalyst to potentially what we could see moving forward. Where there's a lot of mediocrity in the league and a lot of mediocrity um, nationally for the Pac-12 um, if they don't figure out how to how to write the ship. So that's my take on it. Well, well, let's let's talk about the bracket first. So if you're following along, you're going to see that first conference game, which is so crazy. Number eight USC against Arizona was going to tip off on the 13th. The next game that day would be number five Colorado versus California. And um, the winner of USC and Arizona would play Washington. The winner of Colorado versus California would play Oregon State. Shifting down to the bracket, you have number seven UCLA against number 10 Stanford. That winner would play Arizona State. And then Oregon playing number 11 Washington State. That winner would play number three Utah. Utah, man. Uh, Coach K just you know, kind of gliding through. It's a, it seems like he's one of the most <laughs> consistently like pretty good coaches in the country. Um, hey, Max, when you take a look at the bracket in general, what stood out for you most? We'll get into the gambling odds and we're going to pick our winners here. But like, what are some of the matchups or possible matchups that intrigue you? So I think that the most interesting uh, quarterfinal matchup, I am really interested to see uh, who comes out of Colorado, Oregon State, because I think the winner of that has a legitimate shot at upsetting Washington. I think that these are two very talented teams, and I'd even argue that Colorado is the hottest team in the conference uh, heading into the tournament. They've won 8 of 10. Uh, Tyler Bay has really broken out this season, and uh, I, he's basically he's a do-it-all forward. I think he's shooting over 60% the past 10 games, and him and Evan Batty in the paint, I mean, they are a load. And uh, with, uh, with the Dallas Walton in, uh, season-ending injury before the season for Colorado, uh, I thought they would just be like a, a middling team, but they've been really impressive down the stretch. And, and I've been wowed by the coaching job that Tad Boyle has done of late. And in Oregon State, uh, they don't have a lot of depth, but their, their star power is legitimate, and this is a veteran team. And I think Wayne, Tick, Wayne, Wayne Tinkle is one of the best coaches in the conference. And this is a four or five battle that I really think can sway how the, uh, the outcome of the overall tournament. And yeah. then on the yeah. other side, I actually, I, I, I'm a huge fan of other coach K as well, but I really like how uh, that side of the bracket has broken down for Oregon. And I'm, I think that Oregon has a, has a good shot at upsetting Utah. If, if, uh, if they beat Washington state in the opening round, and I think Oregon, Arizona State, if that's what it ends up being, would be a really interesting semifinal. I was so bummed that Oregon ended up on the bottom part of that bracket with Utah, because if they were opposite sides of the conference, I mean, most of these odds, you're going to get more than plus 200, regardless of who you pick. So two to one odds on any any champion in this tournament. And I really like Utah and I really like Oregon. And the fact that they have to play each other in the second round, that is if like Washington State 
you know, aside from them j- jacking like 55 threes and hitting 30 of them, which sometimes they can do, but I doubt that they'll be able to do that in this tournament. That matchup is going to be, that's going to be a great game, that Utah Oregon game. Um, moving up to the bracket, uh, I'm totally with you in terms of Colorado and Oregon State. If you would have told me that McKinley Wright had the numbers that he was going to have this year and Colorado was going to, you know, really turn it on at the end of the year, I'd been like, ah, oh, that, that something crazy must have happened. And that's Tyler Bay and some of the other players that you're talking about. I do think Colorado is pretty hot. Uh, Rick, when we were talking about Oregon State at the beginning of uh, our conference preview, uh, we had basically put them in the top tier just because like max mentioned wayne tinkle is a good coach they have some good players a lot of nepotism a lot of nepotism over there a lot of sons of coaches playing on that that court but that doesn't matter they're pretty good and but our big question was whether or not they would be able to sustain um a fairly high level of play um, particularly these teams that kind of make that next leap you know once you become the team that people are starting to shoot for um it's a little bit hard to keep that going and they have i mean to, to be able to snag uh a in the first round is pretty solid. What did you think about uh, Oregon State in that matchup against Colorado? And what are some other matchups you looking at? Didn't I didn't I make the case for Oregon State being in that top tier? And you and Rob shot me down. Don't worry about I, it. I, Don't worry about I it. I specifically remember that that occurring. <laughs> no, it's, I'm pretty sure Oregon State was ninth in the in my Pac-12 uh, SI preview. Even though I, um, I it, admittedly it wasn't um, it wasn't my rankings. I had to go based off of what um, our national writers um, because they did a one through three hundred fifty three ranking and they had Oregon State either ninth or tenth. And and I was telling them that was way too low. And but I still had to put them tenth in the Pac twelve preview. But <laughs> I mean there aren't a lot of stars in this conference. And when you have three of them on your team you're going to, you're more than likely going to elevate to the top tier of the conference. And that's exactly what Oregon state has with trade Tinkle and Stevie and uh, Ethan Thompson. Yeah. And and I made the point max um, earlier in the year that I think when you get uh, really solid production out of two of those three guys, they got a chance to be in pretty much any game in the conference. And then when you get uh, production out of all three of those guys, I think they're a really good team. um, That's a force to be reckoned with. So I, you know, I'd look at that matchup potentially, um, in the semifinals and I see Oregon State advancing and, and playing Washington and I think they match up well with their stars um, and, and I know Washington does have a chance to play that packed in zone but I think that um, overall there is um, a, a big opportunity for those guys to expose the perimeter um, and if the shots are falling right I think that's the potential for an upset um, in the semifinals unfortunately it's on the Pac-12 network if we get that far at, at uh, 6 p.m. so nobody will see it but I think it'll be a great game um, um, the other game that I kind of looked at or the other side of the bracket um, is really with ASU and, and, you know, ASU is a team that we've discussed extensively and they've had a lot of issues going back and forth, um, you know, with, with how consistent that they, they've been throughout the, the, the season. And, you know, I know they just had the big win over Arizona, um, you know, and, and swept Arizona for, I don't know, probably the first time in, in Ever? years, yeah. decades, maybe <laughs> exactly. But um, I, you know, I think if ASU gets hot, and they can find a way to have cons- some consistent production down low. I think that they're really going to challenge Utah and Oregon um, for you know for that that uh, you know the the chance to go to the championship game. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what ASU does in this tournament, and I think they could be really good. Oh, I was going to say no. I, I agree. I think Arizona State. I actually think that they have the highest ceiling in the conference, but they're also the biggest Jekyll and Hyde team in the conference, just because 
uh, they've struggled so much on the road this year. They've actually, they've never had a Pac-12 road sweep under Bobby Early. And, and last year in the Pac-12 tournament, when they really needed to win that um, opening round game against Colorado to help secure their uh, NCAA tournament chances, they fell flat in that one too. So it's kind of tough to believe in Arizona State outside of Tempe, but th- I just, I really do like the construction of their roster and having to face the winner of UCLA Stanford in the, in the quarterfinals, that's probably like outside of the USC Arizona winner that Washington will have to face. That's a very uh, doable matchup for Arizona State and that one to advance to the semis. Hey, hey, Max, real quick on, on ASU, what's your impression of uh, Bobby Hurley and the job that he's done there so far? I, it, it's tough because I think Arizona State bounced back quicker than I thought most people or that, than most people thought just because they, they lost all their star shooters from last year. And they had to like completely uh, reorganize the identity of their team just because this isn't a shooting team. This is more of a slashing team and more of a, an athletic team. And that really led to the rise of their defense. But I just feel like it was, it was Groundhog Day with this Arizona State team this year compared to last year. Like they had the great non-conference start. And, but then they, um, Utah upset them in their first Pac-12 um, conference game. And, and they were upset, I'm pretty sure, I think last year was Colorado in their opening Pac-12 game. And then it it was just like a roller coaster ride all throughout conference play and especially on the road. And I I really do think that good coaches find ways to win on the road consistently. And that hasn't been the case uh, under Bobby Hurley for ASU. And and in looking at that, and and I had a fight with a uh, ASU fan the other day about this because I, I would almost argue that um, they had the outcome that they did because the the conference was so down. If this if the conference was, uh, I think, reflective of where it was two or three years ago, um, I I think it would have been drastically different, and they would have I think come in the tournament as like a six or a seven seed, um, you know, probably with one or two losses to Arizona, um, you know, and and so I, I think things. Things have kind of fallen in place for them this year, but it's really hard to get a read on them, especially with the way the conference has been to figure out, you know, what the trajectory of that program might be. Yeah, no, agreed. I mean, they, they were, they, I mean, they looked very legitimate when they uh, beat Washington and Tempe and then they also lost to Washington state by 21, the game before in Tempe. You just really <laughs> never know what you're going to get with this Sun Devils team. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see who their matchup is. And let's talk about the future gambling odds where you can bet on, you know, how a team you can bet before a conference tournament starts, who you think is going to win. And you get pretty good odds on that. And we're going to go through those odds right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we're back, and we're going to get through our sleazy bets, my favorite section. We're in Las Vegas. Gambling is legal, and we're going to take full advantage of that, and we're going to go through the conference future bets right now. Let's start from the top to bottom, Max, and then let's go through some of the values that you might see here. Washington is plus 250, and so they are the favorite in this conference, and at a, a two-and-a-half-to-one uh, odds, that, that's pretty high for 
a a conference favorite. Usually you see it at like some of these conference tournaments, it's like minus 170. So you actually have to give money to get money. Um, so to have Washington at that high of a number is quite rare. Um, next, you have Oregon at plus 400. That, that number stood out to me, uh, particularly because they have to play an extra game and don't get a buy. Next, you have Arizona State at plus 500. Then you have Colorado at plus 600. Oregon State is also plus 600, so 6-1 to one odds for both of those teams. You have Utah up next, which is the number three seed at 8-1 to one odds, which is pretty uh, pretty tasty. And then we kind of get into the numbers where it's like, oh, good, good, good Lord. Uh, Arizona <laughs> State, or Arizona is a 15-1. to one, uh, You know, you're getting 15-1 to one if you take Arizona. 20-1 uh, to one for USC, 20-1 to one for UCLA, Stanford 30-1, to one, and Cal. Oh, sorry, Washington State and Cal bringing up the caboose together. The caboose is on the loose. You get a hundred to one odds if you take them. If you want to light that money on fire, just send it to Brian Conger at Wildcat Radio. Uh, I will gladly Whoa, take your Cal, money. Cal's on, Cal's on a three-game winning streak. They're the hottest team. In the <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, I'm just I'm surprised that their coach is still around. To be honest, this is pretty impressive. But honestly, th- them beating Washington might have given Wy King Jones another year. That's <laughs> low a low bar here at the back. Which, which I'm sure every Cal fan is just ecstatic about that too. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, well, what stands out for you, Max? What are some of these teams that you're taking a look at? I was hoping to get Oregon at a better number, yeah. but obviously Vegas knows just because they're on the easier side of the bracket. And Utah, in my opinion, is the weakest of the uh, four teams that have the buy. And I think that Oregon actually matches up really nicely with them. And then also, this is a team that's beaten Arizona State and Washington both uh, on their current four-game win streak. And it just seems like they're getting hot at the right time. And Dana Altman, I think, is the best coach hands down in the conference. And so I don't think that there's enough value for me to bet on it. But that is – I. I would probably say, like, gun to my head, that Oregon would is going to win the Pac-12 uh, tournament for me. But I just don't think that the value is there at plus 400. The one that really stands out to me, I, I really like Oregon State at plus 600. Um, better value. And I really like you guys said, I, I think that they can give Washington a handful of a matchup uh, in the semifinals. Uh, these are actually a, two teams that have played each other really close over the years. Uh, Stevie Thompson's actually hit uh, a couple buzzer beaters against Washington uh, over the past couple seasons. And, and even the last time these two teams played Oregon state took Washington to overtime uh, in Seattle. And I just think with Tinkle and the Thompson brothers, and then you have Kelly and, and Gorgie Rukosevich down low, and they have um, uh, other young guys like Reichel and Hollins and, I, and with Wayne Tinkle as coach, I, I think this is a complete team and Plus 600 is, is something that I would look at there for um, Oregon State. And I just wish that they weren't playing Colorado because Colorado would be another team that I'd be interested in. But I just think that them having to beat Oregon State and Washington, that, that's, that's tough for me to envision for such a young team, even though they have been playing really well of late. Yeah, the head-to-head battle definitely burns up some of the value on both of those teams. I'm with you, Max. I thought it was going to be Oregon and uh, and Utah's odds would be flipped, where Utah would be the plus 400 and Oregon would be the plus 800. Obviously, the bookies know, so they're on to they're basically onto this conference in regards to Oregon. And I'm totally agree with you. Where Dana Altman, I think, is hands down the best coach in the Pac-12 and what he's able to do. Um, he is going to have to run the gauntlet to get there, but there's certainly a chance. Uh, four to one odds, man. I wish they were 
little bit higher. If they were six to one, I would have taken it. But yeah, no, you're right. At four to one, it's just there's no value there. No, not at all. Rick, Rick what stands up for you on your end? Well, I mean, you guys took most of them for me. I, you know, I think we're all in the uh, Beaver train um, this evening, and and uh, obviously Oregon State, I, I would have definitely taken. You know, ASU at uh, pl- a plus five hundred. I, you know, that's not terrible. I mean, it's it's something that I would definitely entertain, especially since you have to figure Stanford, UCLA coming out and playing them. I, I'm pretty confident um, against those two teams, and then really you've got. Um, you know, your, your matchup of either Utah or Oregon, in my opinion, um, before you head into the championship game. So I think there's some value in ASU, um, you know, overall it's, it's a tough, it's, it's really a tough bracket to pick this year though, because of how, um, you know, mediocre, a lot of these teams have been and, and, um, you know, there aren't really a lot of trends to look at, um, overall with, with some of these teams going into these matchups and, and everything's always a little bit screwy, but I think, I think to your point with Oregon, um, you know, you can never really bet against Dana Altman um, in a postseason scenario, especially the Pac-12 tournament. Um, and again, I think I think you look at Washington, and, and I know Washington's going to be the favorite here, but um, you know Washington's got the tools and the weapons. Um, if they are able to get um, into that semifinal game and, and get to the championship game, I, I think it's really hard to count them out. So um, yeah, that would be the only other thing that really stood out to me at the, this point. Yeah, Max, are we overlooking the plus 250 for Washington? I mean, this is a team that plays good defense. They have Matisse Thibel. They've certainly been able to show how how dominant they've been in the conference. I think they only lost two games this year. Uh, are we overlooking a decent value at getting plus 250 for a conference favorite? Um, well, I, I do think it is interesting that Washington, I, I don't think that they're an at-large lock just because they really don't have that great of a resume. Uh, if you look at all the uh, current teams that are currently uh, in the NCAA tournament field for an at-large bid, Washington doesn't have a win against any of those teams. I, I'm pretty sure their best <laughs> wins were the sweep, were, were, was sweeping Colorado, and the win at Boulder came when McKinley Wright was injured uh, midway through the game. And so I really think that Washington could use a couple uh, boosts to its resume with, with two or three wins. It's just that they, they really have not looked great. And I think it's it's been the regression to their shooting. So at the beginning of the season, or I should say beginning of Pac-12 play, when they were really rolling through these teams, uh, they were shooting the lights out. And their uh, effective field goal percentage, uh, I think, um, until, the, uh, until the USD game, their effective field goal percentage was better than the Villanova championship team of last year. <laughs> and I just and I, and I just knew that that was unsustainable for a team that was average at best shooting non-conference. And sure enough, the, the shooting numbers have really gone down. And now recently, you've seen them almost lose to Washington State and Pullman, almost lose to Stanford and Maples, yeah. lose to Cal in Berkeley, <laughs> and so then crazy. and then and then Oregon State um, almost beats them in Seattle. And this is just a team that's really struggled of late. And it, I mean, I don't, I don't really like betting favorites in general. And so I'd really need to see something to bet on a favorite here. And I just, and, and they're going to have a very tough semifinal matchup against either Colorado or Oregon state. And then uh, in the final against what I think will be either Arizona state or Oregon. So I don't know. I, I would just rather take the stabs with the six to one teams 
uh, like Oregon State or Colorado compared to Washington at uh, plus 250. Well, and, and and to kind of piggyback off of what Max just said, too, I think what's interesting is that I think Washington and, and Max, I totally agree with you. I think Washington is fighting for their tournament lives still um, through through this. And um, I mean, at this point, the Pac-12 looks like a one bid league, which basically will be the first power conference um, since the uh, NCAA tournament expanded to 64 teams in 85 to do so. Um, so. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's pretty bleak. So at this point, I mean, there's, there's more on the line, I think in this tournament than, you know, than, than I obviously any tournament that, that since it's been formed, what, 10 years ago, uh, eight years ago, something like that. So, um, I think Washington has its hands full and I think, you know, it's a legitimate shot, you know, when you're in Oregon state sitting there or you're an ASU sitting there, um, and, and it's been, you know, somewhat of an up and down season in a poor conference. I mean, it is, um, I, I mean, I could see it being a knockdown uh, drag out street fight for a lot of these teams. And I think that, that they realize that and, and realize that there's one opportunity to get to uh, the big dance this year. And I think that, that that's going to play a factor in it. Well, hey, Max, let me give you one more question on these odds before we get into the actual games and we pick our bracket. You have some traditional sure. powers um, that are real long shot odds. Arizona, 15 to one. USC, your alma mater, 20 to one. UCLA, 20 to one. Would you touch any of these with a 10 foot pole or, uh, you know, put a little flyer on them? What do you think? So out of the long shots, I, the, th- the one that actually intrigues me the most is Stanford. I think that they're on the easier side of the bracket with, by not having to deal with Washington, Oregon State, or Colorado until the final. And UCLA, they're just an, an enigma, and they're a mess. And Murray Barto, I, 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 I'm not the biggest uh, um, Jared Haas guy, but even, I mean, Viking Jones could probably even outcoach Murray Barto at this point. <laughs> UCLA, I don't know, they, 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 just, they just look dead. And I'm not, I think Stanford, well, and I have to, this all depends on whether Dejon Davis is healthy for the tournament, because I think that he's Stanford's most important offensive player, even though they do have a lottery uh, talent in Casey Akpala, but Davis, their point guard is really the engine that makes the whole uh, offense go. And they, I mean, they have good size. Uh, they have some decent shooters and guys like Cormac Ryan and Davis, and they, they do have a lot of talent, but I just think that. I think that they have a nice first round matchup against UCLA and then they also, and then they play Arizona state next. And it's really like, you don't really know what to expect from these, from UCLA or Arizona state. And they really both have struggled um, away from home this year. And I think that Stanford is a team where if they can even get one win, which is the UCLA game, which I think that they have a good shot of if Davis is healthy, you can start hedging pretty early since they're what were they were 20 to one, I believe 30 to one. Yeah. You get them at 30 to one, 30 to one. <laughs> yeah. So all you, honestly, all you need is one use. All you need is the win over UCLA. And then and Arizona state, I can't imagine would be more than like a minus three fifty, minus 400 money line favorite against Stanford. And that might even be too high on a neutral. Um, so that would, that's the one team that intrigues me as a long shot. Um, if you're willing to play the hedge game, because I, no, Stanford does have or doesn't have a great shot at winning the tournament. I'm pretty sure, like, I'd probably put their odds at like three or four percent, but at 30 to one, that's an attractive number for a team on that has uh, an easier path than others, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Hey, so I'm glad you brought up the hedge 
portion because I've used this a lot and it has been incredibly successful. But I think a lot of people, when they put their bets on a future, they're like, oh, I'm just going to ride this and find out what happens. Can you walk some people through what hedging looks like? Like, let's say, um, let's say Stanford, you have them at 30 to one and they win that UCLA game. So when you mean hedging, can you just walk through a little bit more specifically what that that means for people that are kind of new to college basketball betting? Sure. So Stanford 30 to one, let's just say, you know, we're not really feeling uh, that great with Stanford's uh, overall uh, title chances. So let's just put 50 bucks on it. So um, you would, you would basically $50 on 30 to one, you would profit 1500 if Stanford wins. Um, So basically with the 1500 in mind, you would bet smaller amounts than 1500 on other teams that Stanford plays throughout the tournament. And if the other team wins, you at least still make a potential profit compared to hoping that Stanford rides it out. So like I was saying before, like if I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hedge in the opening round matchup that because then you wouldn't have a lot of uh, hedge opportunities to do uh, in the quarterfinals or semifinals or, or the um, championship. But let's say Stanford beats UCLA and then they play Arizona state and Arizona state, Probably like a seven seven point favorite sounds about right. So maybe like a minus three three fifty favorite. So you have fifteen hundred dollars in potential winnings um, with your hundred dollar bet. But if you put down say three uh, five twenty five to win one fifty on Arizona State money line, if Arizona State wins, if because you would win one hundred fifty dollars from the Arizona State money line bet, that you would still profit. Um, despite losing the $100 from your Stanford um, future. So it's just it's a good way to ensure that you, that you get something out of it. Yeah, and I would argue, too, in the NCAA tournament, let's say Texas Tech, I think opened at like 30 to 40 to 1. You take them early in the year. Obviously, Chris Beard's a good coach. And now you have, you know, if you put 10 bucks on that, you have you have a lot of decent money to, to roll with uh, to hedge against Texas Tech. But you could even let that ride for a while because Tech's obviously a pretty good team and, and very well coached. So I always like to employ that in conference tournaments. I'm really glad that you brought it up. Rick, when it comes to Arizona Cal, I'm not Arizona Cal, pff, Arizona <laughs> Oh my gosh! Arizona discount Cal. Uh, Waikiki Jones, man, he's he's gonna come with his lucky tie. If Cal wins the Pac-12 tournament and is a 15 seed in the, in the NCAA's, I, I would never stop laughing. <laughs> I'll replay oh, this every week. Fold up the conference if that happens. Fold the conference. <laughs> Whip's done. Oh my gosh! Uh, but Arizona, USC, and UCLA, Rick, uh, would you take a flyer in any of those by chance? <sighs> wow. Um, I think out of the three, if we're talking Arizona, USC, UCLA, I'm probably taking a flyer on USC. Um, I know that they had, uh, they've had some really ugly losses. I mean, ugly losses, um, to, to really weak teams, um, including Cal, I believe. Um, but at the end of the day, if you, if you look at a team that I think with their athleticism, um, I think that they've got some pieces there to, you know, challenge Washington at the next step. Um, I, I, I think I'm taking them. I, I don't have enough faith with, with UCLA and where their situation is at. And we've talked about, um, you know, their, their head coaching issues. Um, and then with Arizona, you know, I, I think 
think Arizona, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I think the ASU game was kind of the nail in the coffin. And we've seen that with that program before where, um, you know, you when they have those down years and we've only, you know, we haven't had very many of them, um, you know, it's it's really tough for them to overcome and really ramp it up in the tournament. Now, they could prove me wrong. Um, it's It's been done before, but I, I just look at that that USC team and I think out of those three, I'm taking those guys. Mm. I think it's a terrible first round matchup for Arizona too. I think SC dispatches Arizona real quick. And then you do have 20 to one odds now uh, and three games to really bet against it. So kind of a interesting play there, but uh, let's get into picking the actual bracket right after this. All right. All right. Last segment here. We're going to go through our Pac-12 bracket, going to pick who we think is going to win. And let's do this, Max. Let's you and I, you start, I'll kind of introduce the game. You give us your thoughts. I'll respond. And then, um, and we'll make our picks when we, when we talk. And then Rick, you ask any questions you want afterwards, and then you can be the tiebreaker breaking vote if there is a tie to be had. How, how does that sound? Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So the first game again, uh, USC versus Arizona playing on Wednesday. Uh, Max, you're a USC alum. We're obviously Arizona fans on our end. Uh, tell us what you think about this game. Oh, I'm sorry to sound biased here, but I'm, I'm going to go with USC on this one. Uh, Ch- Chase Cheater, still not 100%. And Arizona really, really struggled um, without him when they first played USC uh, earlier this season. I think they lost by like 24 at Galen Center when Jeter was out for that one. And that's because with Nick Rakosevic down low, USC can definitely eat Arizona alive if, uh, if it's Rakosevic on, on Ryan, um, or if Arizona can only throw out like Ryan Luther, or Ira Lee on Rakosevic. And then there's also, I mean, USC, like, uh, like you were saying with the athleticism before, like Kevin Porter Jr. is a lottery talent. And then you have stretch for Benny Boltwright, who has, who has been playing really well for the most part this season. Uh, point guard play is an issue, I, I think for USC. And they still are uh, an enigma when when they're away from Galen. But I just I'm really not sold on this Arizona offense at all. It just seems like that they sh- that they take way too many uh, mid range jumpers and they don't really fall that often. Um, <laughs> I just I, I trust USC more. And, and then like, like you were saying, I, I think that Sean Miller, especially with the uh, the weird farewell. Uh, sentiments after the Arizona State loss, I think that this team is kind of checked out. And so I'm going to go with USC in this one. I totally agree. This is such a funky year for Arizona. You totally hit the nail on the head with these mid-range jumpers that don't go in. Um, really, the only instance where Arizona can win this game is if they're shooting three-pointers and they're hitting them. And that requires Ryan Luther to get hot, which has been uh, <laughs> questionable all year. You have somebody yeah. like uh, Brandon Randolph, who has been on and off. And I think... you. Uh, Max, you had mentioned Arizona losing to USC at the Galen Center. I still don't think Jeter's fully healthy. And Rakosevich, I think he had like 20 rebounds in that game. It was crazy when Arizona lost and got blown out uh, to USC. And it just shows what happens when you have a pretty skilled person down low that can uh, that can vacuum up rebounds and all that. So I'm totally with you. Rick, you have any questions? No, I was going to say one other thing. Uh, and then obviously the Achilles heel during Sean Miller's time with Arizona has been how they've fared offensively against zone defenses and USC has been running a lot of zone defense this season. And if they, and if they don't have an effective Jeter down low, it's just going to be a lot of outside shooting for Arizona. And that's exactly what they don't want. So I just wanted to elaborate on that. 
<laughs> Great. Well, and and I <laughs> and I was that actually led me right into uh, the question there because I I look at at this Arizona team and this USC team, and I think that from the guard position you see. A, both teams have that as a, as a major weakness. And I think a lot of Arizona fans were hopeful that um, Justin Coleman coming in would be a serviceable um, point guard for Arizona. And, and I think um, limit some of the mistakes and some of the turnovers, but I think he's, he's had a really up and down season where he's looked really good at times and, and really pulled them through in, in some tough spots. And then there were some other times where he just completely fell off the wagon. So I think, you know, you look at this matchup and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to determine, you know, who's had the more consistent point guard play um, and just overall guard play this year because it's been so up and down for both teams. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on to the next game. I have nothing to say about this game. <laughs> Cal versus Colorado. <laughs> you think the Viking Jones Magic's going to show up again here, Max? Uh, well, admittedly, um, the last time these two teams played, Cal actually played them very tough. Um, I, I think that like Colorado, they might have won by only seven, but it was like a two point game with like under two minutes left. But that was with uh, McKinley Wright, which this was his first game coming back from injury. And Colorado really, they were continuing to, they, it was just like part of their early conference play struggles. And I just think this is a much different Colorado team now than then. Uh, kudos to Cal for pulling off the three game winning streak. I was really hoping they'd go 0 and 18 and win their first. Uh, conference tournament game in the in, or conference game in the tournament, but I I just think that Colorado with Bay and Wright and even like Evan Batty down low and Deshaun Schwartz shooting, I, I think that they should easily handle Cal in a game that I project as Colorado being like a nine and a half ten point favorite on on the neutral core. Yeah, that sounds about right. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, I, I think he's exactly right. I mean, I I don't. I you know I I think Cal is obviously right in their win streak, but I don't think they have a chance in hell to get out of the uh, the first round. So, <laughs> all right, well let's move down to UCLA versus Stanford. I think the dogs live here. I think Stanford has a legit shot at winning this game. Max, what do you think the spread will be on UCLA versus Stanford? <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I'm going to say UCLA by two. Yeah. Guys, how do you how do you pick this game though when like I, this is a realistic question. I'm not trying to yeah, th- throw something out there, but UCLA hammered Stanford by 22 points and then yeah. they come back uh what? I don't know, a month later and you're looking at Stanford hammering UCLA by 24 points. So yeah, so I guess it does, is that the two right there? Just the two swinging the other way? <laughs> That's baked into the line. What do you think? I mean, <laughs> No, that, that that's why trying to predict this conference it, it, it could drive you insane. And, and I, I'm, I'm I'm writing the SI Pac-12 tournament preview uh, tonight as we speak, and that's what I'm trying to hammer home. It's that it's, this preview is probably going to be one of the least helpful previews you'll ever read because <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen. But, <laughs> it's, the mo- it's the monkeys at the typewriter. But, yeah. <laughs> exactly, but um, Stanford has the talent that can match up with UCLA's natural talent. Um, but, uh, but there's just something really off to me with this UCLA team. And I guess the one, and I guess the one thing that does scare me is that Stanford's uh, zone offense is the worst in the conference and UCLA runs a two, three zone, but Stanford, they have the size, they have the talent. I trust, um, their coaching more than UCLA's coaching. And I don't, it's just use. I just don't trust UCLA. 
I can't do it. That zone offense thing that you brought up, uh, Max, really scares me. Um, but with that said, I mean, how many times have you seen a uh, defense play a bad zone and even teams that don't have good, uh, offenses against the zone and, and as an Arizona fan, I, I have, uh, there are Legion games. There are many games in which, uh, we've seen Arizona carve up bad zones. If it's a good zone, then I, I do think that it can be whatever, but like just the way that UCLA plays defense kind of scares me. Um, I, I'm going to take Stanford here. I just, uh, I don't, I don't trust UCLA. I don't trust UCLA on like the last time they went to Vegas, they got boat race by you know god knows who was like texas or something in vegas at the beginning of the year so i just don't think there's any focus and i'm not with the coaches here but what do you think rick i just you know what i want to see is how apala comes out and um and and plays because i mean this year it's been a really up and down season and yeah stanford's game plan is a little bit confusing sometimes especially when you watch them because um you think that they would try and run the ball through them every time down the floor but for some reason they miss them on what feels like half the possessions that that come down the floor so i don't know i'm 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 interested to see what happens I, i i'm with max though i don't get a good feeling about ucla i mean it's it, it's a little bit like the Arizona situation where you're just like it's almost like they're they're just limping to the finish line and just praying that the season's over and they can get into the off season. Um, and and I think Stanford has a, has you know if they play somewhat decent uh, basketball, I think that they have a good chance of moving on. All right, well let's move forward. Sta- uh, move forward, Stanford. Last game on the uh, on the Wednesday docket here, Oregon. Versus Washington State. Ernie Kent going back to play his alma mater here, his, uh, his former team. I don't know if he actually graduated from Oregon, but uh, had some heck, had some really good years there with the Luke Luke show. Max, any chance that Washington State knocks off Oregon here, the upset of the century? Uh, the Ernie Kent revenge game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't see it. Even though, admittedly, I mean, Washington State, they did beat Arizona State and Arizona by double digits. <laughs> but I, I just think that Dana Altman over Ernie Kent, it's just such a enormous coaching mismatch that even if Robert <laughs> Franks goes off that somehow, some way the ducks are going to counter it. I, I guess I, but admittedly last year, these two teams played in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament and Washington state was really close to pulling off the upset. Oregon won that game in overtime. I think they won by two. So I mean, it, it can happen, but I, I just, I, I like the way that or that this Oregon team has gelled more than last year's Oregon team. It seems like like last year's team, like with Troy Brown and Elijah Brown and Mikhail Mack, it was just like a lot of uh, guys who needed the ball to succeed. And this year's team, it's a really strong defense. And I, I, I really like some of the pieces that they have. So I, I'm going to go Oregon here. It won't be as big of a blowout as Colorado Cal, but it'll, it should still be a pretty comfortable win. Just drives me so. I'm just so mad that they're not on the other side of the bracket. <laughs> Makes me so bummer. So, all right, well, I'm going to move Oregon forward. Rick, do you got anything on this game? Yeah, just one thing. Um, it, it's funny because if you go look the Washington State blogs, just to kind of frame that properly, they uh, released a, a article and opinion piece asking if Ernie Kent was the worst coach in WS basketball history. So I thought that was amusing. <laughs> they're, they're, go out and read it. There. Go out and read it if you need some good WSU news. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Praying and opining on the days of Tony Bennett there and the Palouse. Um, hey, one, one thing we should mention is if you want your own Pac-12 bracket, we're actually going to be in Las Vegas. We're doing live shows from there, doing live uh, periscopes, and we'll have our bracket up. So if you can beat us, like the, the person that actually gets the best bracket, we have rules. Um, if you share this podcast, if you retweet it, I'll send you this bracket, fill it out, send it back in. And if you win, we'll get you free gear from your team. Um, so if you're a Utah fan, I will begrudgingly find 
find <laughs> purchase some Utah gear for you. We have a ton of Arizona gear that we're giving out. So retweet this podcast, get a free uh, uh, Pac-12 bracket, and uh, and win sleazy sleazy prizes. And let's get to the final rounds right after this. All right, we're back. We're going to breeze through these final matches here, pick our final Pac-12 bracket, and get out of here so everybody can enjoy Las Vegas. Uh, upper side of the bracket, Washington versus USC. Uh, I think USC is going to cover here, but I'm not going to take them. What do you think? I just, Washington needs this game too badly. And they just have I, – I trust Mike Hopkins a lot more than I do Andy Enfield. I love Matisse Seibel. I I I just I've never seen a player like him impact a game on defense like he does. Um, Noah Noah Dickerson definitely uh, had the edge against Rakosovich uh, the first time these two teams met in Seattle, or I guess I should say the only time these two teams have met this season in Seattle. And I think with the two-three zone, what's interesting is that USC actually has the perfect player to combat that with Benny Boatwright, just because he's the forward and he can hit a lot of shots from the outside. But I think that Washington will ultimately have enough. This is a veteran group. Um, they, they, for the, uh, I trust them to play a more consistent 40 minutes than I do USC. And especially if this game is a close game at the uh, end of it, USC is one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the country, which is kind of ironic considering Andy Enfield's considered the shot doctor and had one of the best <laughs> free throw percentages during his collegiate career. But this team is just such a disaster from the charity strip that that could ultimately swing it if things get close. Right on. Well, let's move Washington forward here. Rick, chime in on this next game uh, after after we do. We want to make sure to get through this pretty quickly here. Uh, Oregon State at Colorado. That man, that, this is going to be a good game, which is so bizarre to say because uh, if you were to say this like two years ago, like Brian, uh, you've been drinking too much and you have a gambling problem. Uh, but Oregon State versus Colorado. I don't know. You, you gonna you gonna take Oregon State here? You take the Tinkles? I'm going to go with Oregon State, and it's and it's close. But um, I guess a, a couple things, or I, a couple brief reasons. So, Colorado is actually one of the worst shooting teams in the conference, outside shooting teams, and so it, it makes sense that they are one of the better teams in the conference going against man defenses, but one of the worst teams in the conference going against zone defenses. And Oregon State, they run a zone majority of the time, and so I think that definitely plays to or, uh, Oregon State's advantage. And then also, I, I, I think McKinley Wright and Tyler Bay are great, but Trey's Tinkle, he's probably who I would consider second in the Pac-12 Player of the Year behind Thibel. And I just think that his inside-outside game, um, along with the Thompson brothers, and I even like Kyler Kelly uh, down low, just because if Colorado with Batty and Bay, if they dominate the paint, that there's a good chance they're going to win. But with the addition of Kelly, the uh, JUCO transfer, Oregon State actually has a top 42-point defense nationally. And it's going to be a really good game. I I agree. But I just think with the veteran group that Oregon State has, that they'll be able to squeak by here in what I think will be one of the best games of the tournament. Rick, Max just totally talked me out of taking Colorado because I was ready to pull the trigger real quick. (laughs) What do you think? That's a smart move. I'm going with the Tinkles all the way on this one, too. Yeah, move them on, move them on. I, I really like the way that that team's coached, and I'm glad, hopefully, that Tinkle gets a chance at at least getting through this tournament here because um, he had a tough job and has been really pushing that team forward uh, slowly but surely. Let's move down to the bottom of the bracket. ASU versus Stanford. ASU... Um, Ugh, this, this team on paper looks great, and I was real high on this team, Max, before the, the year started, but uh, not feeling not feeling the love there for Hurley right now. What do you think about this matchup? So this game is actually uh, – I'm not going to count 
Oregon, uh, Utah's upset watch because Oregon's going to be favored in that matchup. But this is the game where I actually could see upset potential if Dejon Davis is healthy because, like I said, Stanford, they have talent. And if Arizona State doesn't shoot well from the outside and, and they fall behind quickly, this is a team that can be in trouble. And, and I think you really saw it um, when they lost by 21 against Washington State. Washington State, they caught – it was Robert Franks, and they caught fire from outside early, and they had this double-digit halftime lead. And Arizona State was panicking, and they were trying to – shoot their way back from the three and they weren't making their shots. And, and that allowed Washington state to make the deficit even bigger in the second half. And Stanford, they, they definitely have the talent and I, I like that they have the size and, and they can, um, because Zylan Cheatham, he's the best rebounder in the conference, but Stanford, they, they can hold their own on the glass as well. And I don't know, Stanford just has some interesting pieces, but I'm still going to go Arizona state, but I think it's, I would not be surprised if Stanford pulled the upset here, especially because they already did beat uh, Arizona State once this season up in Maples. This sounds bizarre, Max, but I actually think that ASU has a better chance of losing to Stanford than they do uh, to Utah or Oregon. And I think that they're going to lose to Utah or Oregon when they play them. But the reason being not the talent disparity, but in the sense of I don't think Bobby Hurley gets his teams up for games that they don't need to win. I think that sometimes he can get that team up for games like Kansas and Arizona and that stuff. But uh, how many times have you seen ASU go into a game against a team that they are significantly better than and then just just crap the bed, basically? Uh, I'm going to move Stanford forward on, on this. And hopefully, hopefully, Rick, you want to ride the snake here? Yep, riding the snake. Yeah, there we All go. <laughs> <laughs> Upset special. Let's do this. Put your money on the long shots. So you guys love my Stanford 30 to 1 futures pack. Yeah, there we go. I'm just going to be excited. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, real quick, just I, I think ASU is too up and down. And, and I really align with your thinking, Brian, on the, on the fact that I think Hurley doesn't get teams up for his teams up for games that um, they otherwise should win. And they, they you know, continuously have shown us, I think, uh, that they fall off the, the face of the earth sometimes. So um, I'm going to go ahead and take Stanford. Um, and uh, I think that creates, uh, you know, obviously a more boring matchup in the uh, semifinal. Moving up, we have Washington against Oregon State. Max, you think Oregon State's going to uh, to sleaze by? I, I just think this Washington team is uh, such a funky team, and it's hard to bet against them. I am going to go Oregon State here. Um, I just these two teams. Uh, I mean, they had very similar rosters last year as they do this year. They just play each other really close, and it's it's as simple as that. I trust uh, Trace Tinkle making the last shot over Jalen Noel, even though I think both are excellent. But I, I just think that Oregon State matches up really well with Washington, given that uh, Oregon State can um, defend the interior really well uh, offensively. Uh, they're actually the second-best uh, zone offense in the Pac-12, only behind Washington State. And I think that that's a big advantage. Um, and then there are two games this year. Uh, so the, la- the, pre- the last game that they played was the overtime game in Seattle, where Oregon State definitely could have won that one. And in the game before, Washington actually won by 10 in Corvallis. But that was an anomaly anomaly because Washington made, I think it was 64% of their two-point shots that game. And you will definitely not see that again. (laughs) So I I think Oregon State, obviously with the numbers, they do well against zones. I I trust their veteran leadership. And the Pac-12 tournament has been very chalky in years past. And I think that this one's going to be more wide open. So I'm going to take the uh, upset here 
Um, and, you know, we'll see a, a nine, uh, one or two seed in a, in a championship for the first time in a while. If this game comes to fruition, I think it'll be one of the better games in the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, unfortunately, as an Arizona fan, I'll be like drunk at a pie gout table at, at this point in the tournament. I'll probably miss it. But uh, <laughs> I, I just think it's going to be so hard to to bet against Washington. I, and I'm with you. You know, Max, you had mentioned that this has been a fairly chalky tournament. I'm going to go chalk on this end. I think I, I think Washington just has some talent. I, I like the zone versus zone, which will probably be pretty fun to watch. But um, I think it's really hard to bet against Jay and bet against uh, Thibel and, and Hopkins, too. Uh, I just think they have some good pieces here. I'm going to take Washington, but curious what you think here, Rick. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to go with Max on this one. I'm, I'm going to take Oregon State. And again, Ooh. I like their senior leadership. Um, I, I think that, it, again, if you have all three of their stars on, um, and I think they'll come out to play against number one Washington with, uh, you know, with the chance to you know potentially move into that championship game, um, I think that they've got a lot to play for. And I think this uh, very could be very well could be uh, Wayne Tinkle's coming out uh, party for um, you know him getting an extension on that contract and staying in Corvallis for a long time unless somebody else swoops them up so mm, yeah going that, Oregon State man that'd be such a good story if they make it to the final so um l- let's just move Oregon against Stanford unless uh, you want to ride that 30 to 1 here Max uh oh well did, we didn't even talk about Oregon Utah oh snap oh I totally skipped that that's gonna be a good game <laughs> <laughs> oh man well spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but I but I, I guess not, I mean I was gonna pick Oregon anyway just because Utah has had major issues with turning the ball over and Oregon, whether it's the matchup zone or, or the full court press, they actually do a really nice job generating turnovers. Uh, and I think I, I'm very sure that they're tops in the pac 12 in uh, defensive turnover percentage. And then also Utah's claim to fame is that they're really, really good at shooting the ball uh, from the outside. But I just think that that's the kind of skill that has a higher variance and especially uh, playing in an arena that you haven't played at this season. Um, I, I just, I, I trust teams that can find the, uh, or attack the rim more than outside shooting in conference tournament settings. And I think Oregon with Peyton Pritchard and Paul White and Lewis King, that they're more likely to get consistent, easier open looks than Utah is. I'm going with the Ducks. Yeah, and it's funny because like we're going to release this on our Pac-12 podcast too, and the majority of those listeners are Utah, so I want to give it a little bit more love here to Utah real fast. If Utah were to beat Oregon in this game, what would they need to do in order to be able to move on to the semis? Oh, it would just they'd have to be hot from the outside. So whether it's Cedric Fairfield or Parker Van Dyke, I like to call Parker Van Daggers, especially after (laughs) what he did against UCLA. (laughs) And then they also they have a really promising uh, freshman in Timmy Allen that I think is is really good. Um, Donnie Tillman is good. I mean, they they have guy they like besides like Chase Johnson for the most part. They're going to have a lot of uh, lineups where they have four guys who can shoot um, well. And I I mean or. Oregon, they they're susceptible to giving up outside shots. Like when um, I'm trying to like when they played uh, UCLA uh, at Poly and UCLA was just on fire from the outside and Oregon lost that game. They were up by like 16 at the half, but yeah. then UCLA scored like 61 in the second half. I mean, if, if you can if you can uh, catch fire from the outside, you can beat anyone, and and you can definitely beat Oregon. So that's how. I would expect Utah to advance that one. And it's not a far-fetched proposal. I mean, they've been 
the most consistent outside shooting team in the Pac-12 this whole season. Yeah, and Cedric Bearfield, if he gets hot, he is scorching hot. I mean, that guy can uh, drop 30 on you. And one of our, our Pac-12 bingo squares is Cedric Bearfield uh, hits more than three, uh, hits more than six three-pointers, and that's certainly possible. I think he averages five a game, so a uh, good point there. But well, let's move Oregon on. Uh, I, I like that game, too. That'll be fun. I really do like the way that um, Utah's been coached and the way that Coach K has been able to move that team forward uh, with some decent talent, but not talent that you would assume would be good enough to get that first round by. And I just think that's a testament to the coaching staff and what he's been able to develop that talent. I know there's some four star players on that team, but when you look at some of the other players that and other teams that are on the left side of that bracket on the Wednesday games, like UCLA and USC and Arizona, uh, teams that have consistent four and five star talent, uh, a, a good testament to what uh, Coach K has done there down in Salt Lake. All right, Oregon State versus Oregon. Who do you got here? Max. Okay, so we're doing Oregon over Stanford. Oh, for sure, right? Or, or, or are you? Yeah. Uh, are you gonna? <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I mean, I, I honestly think it's gonna be Oregon, Arizona State, but I, I would take. I mean, I hope that for all the uh, people that are taking the Stanford future, like I probably will be, I hope that you hedge a, a decent amount of your money on the Stanford Oregon semi. Um, especially, I mean, Oregon, they just played Stanford and Oregon, like they held Stanford to, what was it? It was like zero. I think they scored like two points in like the first 12 minutes of the game. Yeah. (laughs) That's so stupid. This conference is so Um, stupid. (laughs) It it really is. Um, so championship, we have battled the Oregon. I like it. No, that's uh, honestly, that's what I was going to go with in in my, uh, SI PAC 12 tournament preview myself. I am going to go, Oh, it's tough. It's tough. I I think I lean Oregon just because Dana Altman, like we were saying, I think he's the best coach in the conference. Um, Oregon has a fantastic defense. And I also think this is a huge revenge factor because Oregon state swept Oregon in the regular season. And I just, I think it's going to be really, really tough to beat a Dana Altman coach team three times in one season. So I'll, I'll go with Oregon here in this one. I'm totally with you. And I also think that I just don't trust this Oregon State team. I don't think they have it. I don't think they have that killer instinct to get finally over that hump. I don't know if it's this year, but I do think if they do make it to the finals, that's a heck of a run for uh, Tinkle. And I hope that he gets compensated for it and that it builds for the future because they don't have any more sons anymore here. <laughs> Max, there's nobody else they can pull from that blood pool onto their uh, the gene pool onto that court there in Corvallis. So hopefully that they'll be able to recruit a little bit more uh, successfully at the Oregon State program, uh, I'm going to take Oregon. But Rick, you can always talk us out yes. of this. I'm I'm taking I'm I'm going to back the uh, Red Tinkle, and the reason I'm going to back him is because I think it's going to be a magical season uh, for these guys. I think it's going to be a magical run. I think you're going up against your rival, um, somebody, and in Oregon, and as you and I have learned the hard way, living up here in the Pacific Northwest now for a couple of years, like Oregon, Oregon State absolutely hate each other, and I think Oregon State has been so tired for get, getting uh, trashed for for you know basically every uh, you know competitive sport that they. They've got that they're going to have a, uh, a successful run and finish it off in the championship against Oregon. So I'm going to go ahead and run the other way and uh, and see how it rolls out. But I, I do like what Oregon State has, and I think it's the potential to have um, you know really special run that that they could finish it off um, in that uh, finals. I just want to say, yeah. Rick, like a magical run in this Pac-12 tournament in this year in the Conference of Champions is like taking a limo ride to Fresno or something. Like there is no not a lot of <laughs> hey, glitz and glamour here. Listen. 
listen, listen, in, in a Pac-12 that is so bad, that is this bad, there is nobody else that I want to see represent us than Oregon State. Here's like, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, I, I can't wait for Cal to be Oregon State in the second round and to render this all useless. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, there we go. Um, say, hey, Max Meyer, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, at the Max Meyer. And then if you want to follow SI Gambling, it's at SI Gambling. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time. I know we went a little bit long, but really do appreciate your work. If you don't follow Max like you absolutely should, the Max Meyer, uh, check out what SI is doing on their gambling site. It's very fun. I'm really glad that you guys dipped your toe. Uh, not even dipped the toe in the water. You guys went head first and really, really good stuff. I uh, just can't stress that enough. So check them out. Thank you for your time. Rick, thank you co- for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, it's retweet. Yeah, retweet the podcast. Get a free Pac-12 bracket for some free gear, and we will catch you uh, in a few days in Vegas.